Welcome to the Cap Gemini North America Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope and I am the CSR Director for the US and Canada. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's lead as architects of positive futures together. Welcome to a new episode of our podcast focused on pride. Pride is a celebration of the LGBTQ plus community and the progress that has been made towards equality, equity, and inclusion of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning people with the support of allies. This year is especially meaningful in the United States because on June 15th, the Supreme Court ruled that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects employees from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. This means that workers across the U.S. cannot be fired just for being LGBTQ+. This is huge. I'll talk a bit with our panelists about the evolution of being out at work based on their own personal career journeys. Additionally, reflecting on Juneteenth, and everything happening in the world today to further elevate the Black Lives Matter movement and based on the fact that one of the prominent figures of the Stonewall protests was Marsha P. Johnson, a Black trans person, we also have to talk about why we think LGBTQ plus equality has progressed in ways that racial equality and anti-racism has not. Spoiler alert, white privilege is everywhere even in diversity and inclusion spaces. Our panelists get real about this. Finally, and as always, we wanna share some next steps and tangible actions that we can all take, whether we're LGBTQ plus or not, to recognize pride and keep pushing for true inclusion. Let's hear introductions from our panelists. Uh, hi, Janet. Uh, my name is Steph Sands, and I am the Head of Diversity and Inclusion um, for Capgemini Australia and New Zealand, um, reporting directly to the CEO. I work with all of the business to embed our diversity and inclusion principles and programs pretty much into everything that we do. Um, I'm also really privileged and lucky to have led our upfront group in Australia for the past two years. My name is uh, Ryan Kelly. I'm a Vice President with Capgemini. I have been with the firm for... Uh, it'll be 22 years. I actually started as an intern back in 1997 and then started full-time in 98. I'm a global account executive for a large um, entertainment conglomerate. For this particular podcast episode, I think it's also important for us to understand how our panelists self-identify. Let's hear from them now. I have a very, um, I identify as a lesbian, but I have a I have a very interesting journey with uh, gender identity um, in that for the most part, I'll identify uh, as a woman, but also as uh, in between a woman and a non-binary person, which is what I found out just recently called a demigirl. Uh, and I was, I was told that um, by a 14-year-old non-binary um, person that we sponsored at Capgemini as a young person in STEM. So um, I can learn, even at my age, I'm learning from um, our younger generations um, around identity and, and how we fit into this world, which is a really fabulous thing. So non-binary is, um, is a term that's used for someone who doesn't really identify um, in either the male or the female binary, uh, who 
but also is not um, transgender or wishes to affirm their gender um, in either way. So when you're first born and you're assigned a sex at birth, based on your sex characteristics, um, you'll be assigned whether you're a female or a male. But sometimes um, as we develop, um, we may feel that that's not the right um, sex and, and our identity um, is not what we were assigned at birth. Um, in my particular case, um, I tend to associate myself with majority, uh, majority of a feminine side, but I also sometimes lean into my masculine side as well. Um, so non-binary uh, means somebody who really is quite comfortable in either side of that of that um, direction and, and doesn't like to be, I guess, categorised um, and doesn't feel that they belong um, in that binary structure of gender. Uh, I, I don't think it's uncommon to sometimes want to not be labelled and not put into a box. I identify as a gay man. I've uh, had my own experience over the course of the last two decades, uh, but currently um, I have a partner. Uh, we've been together for over 14 years now. Capgemini has won awards in the US, in the UK, and most recently in Australia for LGBTQ plus equality. And beyond the countries where we've won awards, we also have Outfront chapters. Outfront is our LGBTQ plus employee resource group in India and France and a few other countries. I want to go back in time a bit and talk about the evolution of being comfortable being out at work and also a bit about whether employees entering the workforce today are as comfortable being out at work as we maybe assume that they would be. I think it's it's relatively important to me only because I've been in the in the industry for let's say a little over two decades now. Uh, the dramatic changes that have occurred over over the last two decades. Uh, when I first started um, with the firm back in '98, uh, wouldn't even thought or considered about uh, being out at work. Um, at the time, it was considered probably detrimental to your career. You were concerned about uh, having upward mobility. Um, it was quote unquote the the old white man's club uh, that was the leadership at the time. Uh, you wore your button down white collared shirts. You, know, you came in, you you worked and worked and worked, and there wasn't a whole lot of expression um, of diversity. Uh, that's where the LGBTQ as well as um, gender, racial, what have you. Uh, and that lasted for quite a bit um, into probably uh, when I got promoted to manager in the mid-2000s. Uh, and that's when it became probably more uh, critical for me um, in trying to understand how I could how I could play out um, my authentic self, as you'd say, uh, within, within the firm. Fortunately, it, as time went on, there were others ahead of me that sort of broke that barrier. Um, and I started to see an semblance of diversity within the firm. Um, my client situations also helped out. Um, I think in an in a industry like ours in consulting, we spend a lot of time with our clients. So when you have a client that is um, very progressive and very diverse, uh, that opens your eyes quite a bit. And it makes you look internally into your own company um, and start to wonder when, when things will change. 
And they did start to change. Like I said, they uh, it became the point where you'd start to see uh, employee resource groups be formed. Uh, you'd start to see your peers um, come out. And then you'd see the younger um, consultants that are just coming into the firm from from campus or experience that didn't have that same mindset uh, who might have been out since high school or college and didn't really give much thought to the fact of will it will be an impediment to my career or otherwise. So uh, to where we are now, right, where there are senior executives in the firm um, that are out there are, are from EVPs to uh, vice presidents and directors and, and principals. So I think the mindset has changed dramatically. Um, and it starts at the top. I think we're, we're fortunate within our firm in North America to have leadership that supports uh, employee resource groups, not just out front um, with LGBT, but across the board um, and lend their executive uh, sponsorship of it. Um, so it, it's been, uh, well, 20 years might seem like a long time. I believe in the in a span and scope of uh, civil rights and so forth, It's it moved dramatically and much prouder to say uh, where we are today and those that come into the company have the opportunities afforded them to be out and proud and be a part of ERGs and express themselves. Um, it's been a long time um, that I've been in my career. I've been in quite a few careers in my uh, work lifetime. And um, in fact, when, my, when I started my first job, uh, the first year that I was coming out, I, so I started as a senior high school teacher and I started, my first job was in a Catholic high school here in, um, here in Australia. Uh, so, and that was in the very early 1990s, so quite a while ago now. Uh, and just to give it some context, um, we didn't have any legislation passed until 2013, I think, um, for, it, for it to be illegal to discriminate against someone based on their sexuality. So it was a long time before coming out at work was actually safe. For, for people here. Um, so I think um, the biggest change I've seen is as soon as that legislation went in in Australia, um, it was safe to be out or to talk about your weekend or your partner um, in the workplace. And I think as a starting point, that was quite a big change. Um, I, I spent a lot of time after teaching um, in advertising. So that was always a very fluid, a very open, a very comfortable environment for me and I was very lucky to have that experience. Uh, then I joined um, Capgemini back in 2010 for the first time around and um, it was a, it was a, actually a different company then. I think um, I think we've made lots of advancements um, as, a, as a company uh, just in, even in the last 10 years, um, including forming Outfront um, and having the chapters um, spring up in in the UK and in Australia and um, and the other places that it's it's starting to form now, I think um, employee resource groups have played an incredible role in um, advancing workplace inclusion. I think the employee resource groups itself lend itself to the fact that you can be part of a employee sponsored group um, that you can identify with without fear of any type of retribution or limitation in career development. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's an imperative upon us to to continue to speak out and educate people that there are these barriers that are out there that can limit uh, us simply because of uh, the person that we love. As a diversity practitioner and someone who is 
black and gay, I've been asked a few times by different people why it is I think that the LGBTQ equality movement has progressed faster or seems to be advancing at a different pace than racial equality. And I've thought about this a bit, and the only thing I can come to, and you can cut it two different ways, is the fact that there are gay people across multiple races. Or you could look through the lens, which is the same, a different side of the same coin, through the lens of there are white men in the LGBTQ community and there's privilege that comes with that. So I wanted to hear from my panelists on what they thought about this as well as just a more open conversation about intersections and why we want to be really careful about putting everyone in the LGBTQ community in the same box. I know I have a white privilege aspect to myself being a white male. Um, So while there have been and there continue to be hardships relative to my sexuality, uh, my intersectionality with being a Caucasian male uh, gives me certain privileges that that my partner, that he does not um, being of of Latino um, ethnicity and background. Um, So coming from a country and from um, Latin America, where it was much more difficult growing up um, than even I had it within the United States. Um, we have had those conversations about how, when you layer upon the, when you layer those difficulties upon each other, uh, and difficulties in terms of discrimination or, or what have you, it 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 can be, it is definitely more challenging in that aspect. So, um, although. Uh, you know, you know him. Uh, he does not hide himself in terms of uh, either one of his um, uh, areas, whether it be his ethnicity or his sexuality. He's he's pretty pretty blunt, <laughs> um, which works out well for the two of us because it, it, uh, it complements each other. Yeah, I've 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 spoken about this many times with my friends and so forth. Um, LGBTQ as a person is one aspect of me. Um, and I've always said that it's uh, it, it's it's definitely I'm proud to be that, but I'm also proud to be Irish. I spend every St. Patrick's Day in Chicago with the Green River and an inordinate amount of alcohol uh, during that weekend. Uh, I'm also Italian. I, I'm fond of my mother's uh, lasagna and everything about that. I'm left-handed. I I play soccer. I enjoy tennis, right? These are all aspects of us, and every one of us have unique characteristics about ourselves that make us as a person. Um, So labeling and broad brushing the LGBT community into one group is is not the perspective I think people should take about it. Um, We are proud of who we are. We have a place in the community, and and we celebrate. Um, And I think people do forget, right? LGBT communities started our mission of pride in New York at Stonewall in the 1960s as a protest. I mean, pride started as a protest. It, the intersection of pride and what's going on with Black Lives Matters is um, 
something that everyone needs to stand behind and, and support together because it's all about um, removing discrimination and creating equality for everybody. I believe we live in a world where we have a system that has been created for white people by white people um, and that we have perfected that system uh, to such a degree that most of the time we don't even know what's wrong with it. Um, and there is a lot of education, a lot of learning that needs to, to be had and to be done, including by myself and by probably a lot of my white colleagues um, in really in unlearning a lot of what we've learned. Now, unfortunately, I think, I think you are right. I think the LGBT movement um, has been, and especially here in Australia, I've seen uh, it spearheaded by, by white men. Um, and I have seen great change happen because as a white person living in the world that I live in now, um, and especially in regards to our Indigenous Lives Matter campaign as well, um, there is a lot, and only tonight I learnt there are, there are things that I don't know about our history, um, especially in regards to the way we've treated our Indigenous peoples. Uh, today in the news, there were photos, um, and I, I, I was quite distressed when I saw this and I learnt this, but there were, there were photos of uh, Indigenous peoples um, in chains you know, and part of our history that we weren't taught as um, kids in schools. Uh, and it's not really available uh, in 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 our in our history in our museums, so um, I've spent a, a large proportion of my life not knowing that history, um, and that's distressing for me. So, um, and I know that you know there's probably a lot of other people in my position who would find that history and the and the way it's revealing itself now, um, because it's got the platform to reveal itself, and and luckily our media and our and our um, online uh, news services and our online blogs and our twitters and and the way this world has opened up for many of us to learn um, has started to tell the real stories that need to be told. And, and I think um, there's a lot of learning to be done. Finally, let's make sure we get a couple of really tangible things that we can all do to continue to push on inclusion whether we're individuals, whether we're LGBTQ plus or not, whether we're leaders and organizations or strong allies and supporters, what can we do? I think there's two calls of action that I'd like to, to point out. Uh, the first one would be um, keep learning, keep educating yourself about difference, about people that you're working with and, and maybe some of their intersections. Um, I think uh, the more we know, the more we can understand, the more we understand, the more we can um, support. Um, the second call out would be um, not to silence your voice. And by that, I mean um, call, out, call out good behaviours, call out bad behaviours, ask questions. Um, and you know what's right and wrong. Uh, and if somebody is doing the wrong thing or if you feel something is not right um, and you think you should change it, and that could be that one of our policies is not right or uh, we're not strong enough on, on the way that we handle bullying in our, in our organisations or um, we need to provide a safe space for our peoples who may work in offices in countries where uh, it is illegal to be gay and, you know, use your voice and keep talking about what you know is right um, in regards to our human rights. 
you know, fundamental basic human rights as, as individuals and as human beings all living on this same planet, um, trying, to, trying to save it and trying to make it a better place. Um, don't stop talking and don't stop, um, don't stop trying to be heard. I think it's just important as, and again, for me, it was, it was an experience, right? I, I continued to hesitate even within, within my workspace to be proud of, of who I was per se. I, I never hit it. Uh, I'd always answer questions about it. Um, but it, it, it's a fundamental difference. When I saw peers of mine at the higher levels of organizations take, take that sort of responsibility and, and, um, be proud of who they were and participate outwardly. I, I, it has a, a downstream effect that I, I don't think is easy to quantify. Um, so when we have we have calls and we express um, our thoughts and our opinions and um, are free to to express those things, I think it's 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 something that's that's special. And I think people gravitate towards that, and it creates a more open and diverse environment. And people are more willing to express themselves freely in doing so. So I think that has to happen at work. Uh, I think we've all seen that progress happen at home, um, within our families, uh, to try and educate. And when when people learn that they know somebody that's different than them, that diversity, um, it changes perceptions. And that's what has to continue to happen. We need to change perceptions and educate people um, about about diversity and what not only loving the people that uh, they love, but also learning from that and um, them opening up themselves more. We know that representation matters. Our panelists shared their own career stories about how they became more comfortable being out at work because they saw leaders and others who were out at work and that's very similar for other diversity groups. If I see someone who looks like me in leadership, I certainly feel like I can be a leader too. And so representation is very, very important. Unfortunately for the Fortune 500, only 37 CEOs are women, which is bad enough only four CEOs are black and four CEOs are openly LGBTQ plus. And all of the openly LGBTQ plus CEOs are white. So it's a bit of a challenge when we talk about representation. And I think this is something that all organizations are focusing and if they're not need to be focusing on to improve. I really want to make sure that listeners of this episode are not sitting around and waiting for they, the, the they that's going to come fix the issue. They do not exist. Each of us has a, a sphere of influence where we can drive change, whether that's in our home on our teams, in our community, in a business unit, or an entire organization, we can impact and drive change based on things that we own or lead or are responsible for. So let's do that 
and truly move beyond commitment statements and sharing books and articles and drive the change that we want to see that's lasting. Because honestly, all lives can't matter until black lives matter and black lives can't fully matter until black trans lives matter. So let's get together. Let's figure this out. Let's all decide what we're working on within our spheres of influence. Let's invest in it and let's act. I'd like to thank our panelists for this episode and I'd like to thank you for listening. Oh, wow. It seems like we've come to the end of another Cap Gemini North America Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. Again, I'm Janet Pope. And on behalf of the entire North America CSR team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If there's a specific topic on diversity, digital inclusion, or environmental sustainability that you'd like us to cover, please comment in the podcast channel. We want to hear from you. 